But this time we are going to prepare to receive our tithes and offerings. So if our ushers can go ahead and get ready for that. If you are visiting us for the very first time, we want to say aloha and welcome. Please do not feel obligated to give. If you are visiting us from a, another church, we ask that you will take your tithes and your offerings there. However, if you call New Hope Church your home, this is a time where we get to prepare to partner with God and what he is doing here at New Hope Church. You know, it's about, it's about maybe this spot right here, maybe right where the table's at. 23 years ago today, where my husband and I got married, right here. Thank you. And you know, marriage isn't easy. It takes commitment. It takes communication. It takes courage. But above all, it takes a partnership with Christ. Now, I'm not sure if Holy and I would have made it this far, but I know without a doubt that Jesus is the reason why our marriage thrives and we're so blessed. It's because we have a partnership with Christ. See, when we give of our tithes and our offering, what we're doing is we're partnering with God. And he takes what we give, he multiplies it, and he turns it into something wonderful and lovely where we get blessed as well. So this morning, I want to encourage you as you prepare to give, I want you to envision your partnership, your personal partnership with the creator of the universe. Let's pray. Most Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for being the kind of God that wants to bless his children. Especially in this season, Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. So Lord, as we continue to give and we continue in this partnership with you lord with cheerful hearts and with expectancy lord we know that you are going to receive our tithes and our offerings and you are going to turn it into something wonderful we thank you and we love you so very much bless the giver lord bless your children in jesus mighty name we pray amen ushers amen happy anniversary bunny thank you. how many years 23 years he's married when he was 10, huh? What a blessing it is, sorry. What a blessing it is to uh, celebrate not just, you know, anniversaries, but we also celebrate who Jesus is in our lives. If this is your first time here or you're visiting, we welcome you, especially those who are visiting or watching live stream. Uh, when you came in, you were given a bulletin, and in that bulletin is an invitation card that you can use to pass out to people or remind you of the different service times. And one thing I want to point out, also in the, in the bulletin are some notes or we use the church app. But one thing that I want to point out to all of us is that when we look at the season that we're in, as well as the, the times that we're in, many people use the church app. Uh, some people will use an iPad or something for their uh, notes and things like that. Uh, one thing we try to do is steward well the finances that God brings in, and that's through your support. Through all of our giving, we are able to reach out to people and present the gospel in such a way that people find Jesus Christ. In fact, this past week, there were probably close to 40 to 50 people who said yes to Jesus Wednesday and Friday night put together during our Christmas program. So we want to congratulate all those who said yes to Jesus this past week. And that's, that's possible because we 
we support what God is doing through this church, through all of you. That's what the giving is all about. It's really to, to reach people who are far from God, one relationship at a time. So one of the things we're going to do is we're going to think through how we can steward well uh, through our printing. Because the bulletins that you have are printed in-house. We have our own printer, and it costs finances, right, to print. But what we notice is not everyone uses the bulletin. Uh, a lot of people use our church app. And uh, some years ago, that was our, our goal in how can we uh, utilize and steward well the finances better. And one of the ways is to cut down on the printing cost. And because some people, they'll use their iPad or their phone. So you're going to see us doing better with that. And we're still trying to figure out how we're going to transition. We will still have notes for you to write in because uh, for some people, they like writing in notes. And some of you actually write in the notes and then you give it out to your family and friends who may not have been able to be here in church. Uh, for those who are not able to be here, maybe you're sick or maybe you're going through something, uh, we also have our live stream. And our live stream, which is through the internet, uh, we live stream every service from beginning to end, uh, is not so that I stay home. It's so that if I am at home, I'm able to at least get the word of God in. And that's, that's uh, made possible because of the giving. And part of us being put together and then uh, reaching people is so that we can build relationships with God, uh, relationships with one another. And so a lot of what we do in our fellowship hall and even the things that we do is to give family time together uh, to be not just in church, but also to spend time eating breakfast. Some of you will spend time in there eating breakfast uh, and then, you know, go on with your day or sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll leave. But our heart is always that we would learn and grow together in God. So all the things that we do uh, is always tied to a soul that people would find Christ. So even with the, the, the bulletin, we have that so that there is information and things in there just in case you want to grow in your relationship with the Lord. Now you have all of that information. But in case you don't have the bulletin, it's still on our church app. So if you have not downloaded the church app, you can do so. And it'll, it'll also cut with the cost uh, with the, the printing. And so as the weeks go by, you may ask for a bulletin or notes. So we're still trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to do that? If we're going to hand them out or uh, to just have them on standby, if you want it, then you can make that decision on your own, okay? We just want to do our very best to uh, steward well the finances and then go paperless, but not completely because some of you, you still like writing in. Some of you still like the bulletin. You need something tangible, and that's fine. Also, the second thing I want to uh, communicate to you is that our young adults are going through a transition also. Uh, in our young adults ministry called Crossover. And come January, uh, Chad Koneko, who oversees our young adults right now, will be transitioning out of young adults, and Pastor Ben Urbanozo will be transitioning into young adults. So Pastor Ben will be overseeing our young adults come January, and they're going to change the name from Crossover to Shift. And the reason why they're calling it Shift is because in that season of life, we go through many shifts and changes during our young adult years. So I just wanted to communicate that to you so that you're in the know and so that in case you know of any young adults, you can let them know of that change. And that's going to happen uh, come the new year, okay? If you have any questions, then ask 
Any staff member, they know what's happening and they know what's going on. If they don't know what's going on, let me know. Then I'll let them know. They should know what's going on. But pretty much they know what's going on. Okay, you can take out your notes or your church app. And we're going to be continuing our series, Christ, Mess, and Christmas. I think in this season, like just today, it feels and it seems like we're, we're, we're able to breathe a little bit. Because Christmas can become messy it can become so busy. In fact, I was talking to a friend and they were telling me that they went to one of the stores, uh, department stores in our city, and they haven't been at this store for over a year. And they said it was chaos. Like people just going and shopping and, and some people banging carts. I'm thinking this is like, this is worse than road rage. This is like aisle rage. And people just hook the corners. I think they should put blinkers on, on uh, wagons and put lines. You know what I mean? Just like the road so you stay on the right, you stay on the left. Like if we can incorporate that in shopping, I think there would be less rage going on during shopping. But it's, this, it's just the season that we're in. And then, and then you have the other side where you just enjoy the season. You have no hassles. You're done with shopping. You don't have to buy too many gifts. You're, you're just good with it. You, like everything is done and you're enjoying the season. And if that's you, God bless you. God bless you. Maybe people don't like you right now because you're doing so well and they're not even close to getting their shopping done. But it's just the season we're in. You know, when I think about Christmas, when Jesus was born, it wasn't all that different. It was still chaotic. Now, we see the manger scene. We see the nativity scenes. We see the nice pictures, and, and everything looks nice and pristine. When we look at a picture, and there's a star above Bethlehem, and you see, you know, the manger scene. But it wasn't that easy. And we're going to take a look at a story found in Matthew chapter 2 that shows us how Mary and Joseph had to escape constantly. And today, we want to entitle this morning's message, The Great Escape. I think for many of us, there are many things we want to escape from. And there, just the thought of escaping or going away or going on vacation. Some of us go on vacation and then we come home, we need a vacation from vacation because we've done so much within that short amount of time. But there are many things we want to escape to and, and sometimes that escape can become unhealthy. That we use other things to escape to rather than God's very best. When Joseph and Mary learn about the life of Jesus being threatened as a baby from King Herod, they have to make some critical decisions. And they escape to Egypt until it is safe enough to go back to their hometown in Nazareth. Now, Joseph and Mary, they experience at an early age some intense dark moments. And although being that young, they had to make some wise decisions. And regardless of what they faced, whatever situation they were in, they were able to escape the grip of, dark, of darkness and evil to follow the Lord, and they kept their character strong. They, kept being, they, they were consistent with the Lord because they understood their calling. And these are some things we want to learn today. How do we become people who are able to be consistent, who are able to understand God's calling for our life, and at the same time, keep godly character? How do, we, how do we make the decisions that we need to and still be in that area where we can have our character intact? You know, when I think about escaping certain situations throughout my life, I think of three major areas that I needed to escape from. One was escaping from my house 
because I always felt like it was more fun outside than it was in the house. But my mom didn't let me go out late at night, so I had to escape. The second thing I felt like I needed to escape from was the police because when I went out late at night, I was doing bad things, and then I would need to escape from the police. And then I had to escape from my mom because, because I was doing bad things, and when the police brought me home, I had to escape from her giving me spankings. So those are three major areas that I needed to escape from. I needed to escape from my house because I wanted to do bad things. I needed to escape from the police because I did bad things. And then I needed to escape from my mom because I did bad things and she was giving me lickings because of the bad things. Now, (laughs) these three things have one person in common. And that is me. What I realized is that we all need to escape from something. It could be fears or insecurities. It could, it could be financial debt. Like if we could only just erase everything and start from scratch and our credit wouldn't be damaged. Or I, I need to escape from this way of thinking or escape from this relationship. Or Not if you're married. If you're going through something, work it out. But you escape from things because you think there's something better ahead. That's probably why we think of escaping. That's why we probably think of Maybe I should get rid of this so that I could have this. Now, there are positives and negatives when we need to escape something. And what Jesus teaches us and what God shows us and what this story is going to show us is that when you're able to escape for the right reasons, then God brings in his wisdom so that whatever we're escaping to still keeps our character intact, we're consistent with the Lord, and then we understand our calling You know, escape is a word that we use to break free from confinement or control. That's the word we use. You just need to escape. Harry Houdini, one of the greatest of uh, stuntmen and and, and illusionists uh, in the early 1900s and late 1800s, you would think that he would have died from one of his stunts going wrong or one of his tricks going wrong, but he actually died from... they're, They're thinking on two things. It could have been... Uh, he was struck in his abdomen a couple times because someone was asking him, you know, could you handle this? And, and you know, do you think that you can, you can uh, be able to uh, take on these, these, ab- these blows to your ad- abdomen and be healed? And if you believe in the Bible, that the Bible uh, is true. And so that could have been one reason. But the other reason could have been appendicitis. So they don't know specifically how he died But one thing we know for sure is that even the great Houdini, who was able to escape different traps, could not escape death. That is the one thing that is inevitable, especially during this season that maybe you lost a loved one and this is the first Christmas without them. And maybe you're going through different emotions. Well, we know this, that we just can't escape death. There are certain things we cannot escape. And there are many more tough situations that we find ourselves in that pull us away from God's very best that we feel we cannot escape. Well, in Matthew chapter 2, Mary and Joseph were experiencing some difficulties. And not only was this pregnancy a difficult one because of the situation, but they had to physically figure out how they were going to raise this child and keep this child safe. In the book of Matthew, in the New Testament, chapter 2, 
It begins with the Magi, those who are traveling to see who is called the Messiah, the chosen one, who is Jesus the Christ. And in verse 1 in chapter 2 of the book of Matthew, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of Herod the king, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Well, when, king Herod heard, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Or where the, yeah, where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophets have written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will, who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, what is happening is they're remembering the prophecy that was told about this child. Now, King Herod, being a king, he doesn't want to learn about another ruler coming in. The whole point of being king is that you wanted to dominate and take over everything. So King Herod is thinking, wait a minute, there's another king rising up? Well, then Herod, in verse 7, called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. But was that his heart? Was that his intention? No, it wasn't to worship him. It was to kill him. Well, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the, uh, stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him, Jesus. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for their child to kill him. Now, as a father, all kinds of things will go through your mind. And even though Joseph wasn't his biological father, he still was mindful of the danger that Jesus would be in. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. So what is happening also is many, many prophecies are being fulfilled, even though Jesus was just a baby. All these prophecies are being fulfilled. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. That prophecy was also fulfilled. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, 
take the child and his mother and go to the... Seems like Joseph is always sleeping, yeah? yeah a typical guy. What's going on? But this is where God speaks to him in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. Even Herod could not escape death. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Alcalaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. You know, this story of Mary and Joseph figuring out how they're going to keep Jesus alive and safe wasn't an easy task. Today we have cars, we have airplanes. Back then they went on foot or they used animals. And they had to escape this way. It wasn't just to pack up, jump on a plane and leave. They had to go by foot or by animal. And the decision that they had to, that they had to make was so critical that even one wrong mistake could have put the life of Jesus in jeopardy. So what we're going to look at, what we're going to do is look at three major things to consider when we ourselves want to escape tough situations that we can learn from Mary and Joseph. And here's the first thing. It's about our character. Our character. Because when we think of character, sometimes we minimize it by our behavior. And we just say our behavior determines our character. But behavior is such a small part of our character. Behavior is what people see. Character is who we are when no one's looking. That's our character. Joseph and Mary, they built their character with God long before God gave them their assignment of raising the Son of God. They already had their character being built with God, and they kept their character with God. They kept building their character with God. And character is important because character carries us throughout life's relationships. When we have good character, our relationships become good. When we have bad character, our relationships become bad. And you and I don't want to escape from something only to become what we're escaping from. Sometimes we say, I don't want to be in this relationship because, you know, there's just anger and anger and anger and bitterness and, and jealousy, only to go into another relationship with anger, bitterness, and jealousy. So we don't want to become what we're trying to escape from. For Mary and Joseph, they were, they were trying to become who God was making them to be. But boy, could have it turned bad if they were thinking, okay, if Herod is going to come to kill our baby, we're going to defend ourselves. In fact, let's take him out before he comes to us. There are many things they had to consider, but they stayed close to God and they wanted to fulfill everything that God asked of them. And sometimes we escape difficult situations only to become a difficult person. Like we forget about our character and we start to deteriorate because of the situations that we're in. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, verse 10, talks about a wife of noble character. But it's not just the wife, it's the, it's the principle behind the scripture. And it reads this, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. In fact, Solomon, who is writing this, he is saying there are, there are, there are many women but it's very hard to find someone who is going to be a wife of noble character. Very difficult to find. But I'm sure it's not just with women. I'm sure it's just with all of us. 
Just the principle of finding someone with noble character, that's hard to find. Proverbs 12.4 speaks of, of it again. A wife of noble character is her husband's crown. But a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. How's that for a, a shift in comparison and, and from one thing like, oh, you're like, honey, you're like, the, the, like my crown. You're like a king's crown. Really? Yeah, your character, just your love for people, your kindness, you're like a crown. Well, thank you. Or you're like decay to my bones. Like there's, a, there's such a disparity in those two. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be the crown than decay. Well, what the Bible teaches us is that our character makes all the difference. That's how powerful a person's character is. See, when there's character, there is great worth, like rubies. When there's a lack of character, character there's a breakdown in strength, decay in the bones. We want to be people of character. You know, when we would build tree houses growing up, we would have, get like two by fours, and then we would, we would find a, a perfect spot on the tree where we could put some two by fours as the foundation, as the, the, the setting where we're going to put the, the four by eight ply boards. But that, those two by fours were very important because that is going to determine how strong our fort was going to be. Now, as kids, we're, we're like 10 years old, pounding these two-by-fours into the tree. We don't know that the wood is going to split in half when you pound it close to the edge. We don't know. We just grabbed hammers and nails. We pulled like 10 or 15 nails just to hold this two-by-four together. We would pound from the side, from the top. Then we would pound from underneath to hold up the split of the wood. And we would just put as many nails as possible so that we're okay when we stand on this thing. But what we were doing was ruining the character of the wood, the strength of the wood, because we're splitting the wood. Now, there were a few times where the wood did break and we fell off the tree, but we're kids. We're, we're flexible, and we landed on the ground, and it was dirt, so it wasn't that bad. And then we bounced back up and then climbed back on the tree, except one of my cousins fell on his face, and he cried, and we kind of had to deal with that. But we tried our very best with what we knew of. We thought that this thing would hold us up. But because of the split in the wood, it didn't. Now, our character is just like that foundation of wood. That when there's a split in character, when there's some, some, some traits in us that is not of God, it, it, it weakens our foundation even though we know the Lord. And Mary and Joseph constantly check their character with God constantly they didn't check their character with other people and say hey, how, how how am i doing am i doing good or not which is fine but that wasn't their accountability their accountability was with god therefore their character was very important because they wanted to make sure that they had godly character romans chapter 5 verses 3 and 4 tells us that we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation confident uh, confident hope of salvation character is that valuable that we can have a confident hope of salvation it strengthens that character is very important joseph kept his character intact and so did mary because they knew how valuable character is 
The second thing we learn is consistency. And you can write that in. Consistency. Our consistency is very important. See, when we're inconsistent, it affects others, especially in a relationship. I remember in junior high, I had two really good friends. And I don't know how this happened, but I had these two good friends, and we would hang out and do everything together. We'd always hang out and ride bike wherever and and just hang out. But I remember one day in school that one of them wasn't talking to me. And I was thinking, why why is this person not talking to me? But my other friend, he and I, we were talking great. We're, we're still in, we were still great friends. And although we were talking and we weren't talking, these two were talking. They were still good friends. And I'm thinking, what, what is happening? And then the next day, we're talking and this one is not talking to us. We're thinking, what just happened? And then the next day, they're talking and they're not talking to me. I'm thinking, what is happening? And then the next day, we're all talking. We're all friends. I'm thinking, what just happened? It's called junior high. That's what happens. And, and, and we all experience that. But it's not just junior high. That goes into high school, young adult years, even into our adult life. We see inconsistencies. We don't know why it happens. We don't know why relationships are broken. In fact, we could have been married for a long time and then there's, there's just this tension and you're wondering, where did that tension come from? What happened? Well, it's because she said this, he said this. It was something small, but it really wasn't. It was probably something way back here that we were inconsistent with. It could have been with being truthful. It could have been with being faithful. It could have been with the way we treat one another or we say we're going to do something and we don't follow through. It could have been anything, but it, it usually stems from inconsistency. Heidi asked me one day, she said, hey, I want to plan some things with my friends, and Heidi is my wife, and she said, I want to plan some things, and I'm looking at this date, and I said, ooh, that's not going to work. She goes, why isn't that not going to work? I said, because here are some things that we're doing. She goes, what about this day? And then we started to talk and discuss what day would work, and then after a while, we're arguing. And then we're grumbling about things that have nothing to do with the date that is being set for her to be with her friends. We're talking about the flat tire that happened last week. And I'm thinking, yeah, because the, you, the way you drive, it's because the way you drive. And we're talking about things that, that don't even matter anymore. And then we have to go back to talking about what we're supposed to talk about, but we can't. Why? Because now we're angry at each other. And so we can't even solve the problem that was there in the first place of trying to figure something out together. And so while we're trying to figure this one date out, we're just irritated with each other. And I say, well, well, okay, whatever you want to do, just do. She goes, well, I, I just wanted to communicate to you. I say, well, apparently it's not doing, going well. Just find a date, pick it, and that, that's fine. She goes, but I want to know if it's okay with you. Why do you have to ask me? I mean, apparently you want to do your own thing, so go then. So now we're fighting amongst each other just because it's a simple thing. And then when things are calm but still tension, You still have to talk to each other because you're in the same house. And if you don't talk as husbands, if you don't speak to our wives, we don't eat. (laughs) Have you ever had that? You're grumbling and arguing and then you're thinking, oh man, I grumble about 530. That's not good. (laughs) And your wife is just sitting down, smiling, just doing her own thing, and your stomach is like... 
Well, something has to change, and so we have to talk. And so by the time we start talking, I'm saying, okay, Heidi, we, we shouldn't be arguing. It's, it's a, you know, I'm sorry I got upset. Okay, I'm sorry too. So now the conversations we have, like we, 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 we got to be very cautious. Like we tread lightly. And this is one thing that I learned with, with communication. I have to ask this question. Husbands, this will save us a ton of time. Here's the question that I ask Heidi as she asks me a question. I say, Heidi, is this a conversational situation or is this a listening situation? Am I to respond to you or am I just listening? And it's very simple. Heidi would say, oh, no, this is conversational. I say, okay, I know the gates are open. I can run. But if it's just listening, the gates are closed. I just, hmm, okay. I see. Okay, that must be tough. It's a tough decision. Okay. Oh, wise. That was wise, Heidi. Okay, that's great. Very easy. Because women, isn't it true? There are some conversations we shouldn't talk. Now, don't agree and like, like nudge your husband because now I'm going to be in trouble. But there are some conversations, husbands, they're asking you a question that you're not supposed to answer. <laughs> you're not supposed to answer it. You're supposed to comfort, and you're supposed to be empathetic. Put your hand on their shoulder and say, honey, that must have been tough. Yeah, because I didn't know. I didn't know if it was a gallon milk, half milk. I didn't know if it was whole milk, and then the, re the recipe wasn't coming out correct. I mean, what milk should I buy? Is this an answering <laughs> question or <laughs> conversational? But this is what I learned in marriage and relationships. There are consistent inconsistencies. That is across the board. There will be consistent, this will happen all the time, inconsistencies. And we got to know when it is. We got to be on the lookout for those things. Otherwise, relationally, things begin to break down. So the Bible tells us, be quick to listen slow to speak quick to listen slow to speak being consistent is something that mary and joseph were doing at an early age you know when the angel came to them and said that this is you know you for mary it was you're going to give birth to the son of god to joseph you're you're the one that you're betrothed to will bear forth a son who will be called the Messiah. They both heard from God separately, but together had to be consistent in what they heard from God. Whenever we're able to hear from God and be consistent, now we're able to become more and more the person that God sees us to be and then to also continue on with what he is asking of us. That consistency is very, very important. In James chapter 5, verse 12, James says, above all. In other words, he's saying, this is important. This is very important. My brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven, nor by earth, nor by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. You know what the Bible is saying? That when you say yes or no, and you're consistent in that, it shows your godly character. 
But if you're kind of wishy-washy, you're not sure, and you're inconsistent, he says now you're condemned because you're, 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 you're not being consistent and you're playing it safe. You don't want to make a commitment. But for Mary and Joseph, in their consistency, just think about it. They didn't sign up for this assignment. They didn't come to God and say, hey, God, do you have any assignments that has to do with like raising the Son of God? They were given that assignment. God gave that to them. But once they said yes, they did not turn back. They were consistent. And sometimes when we're going through a tough time, we make many deals with God. We say, God, if you do this, then I'll do this. And sometimes when God follows through with what he's going to do, I, because I've done this before, I say, God, if I go church every week, then can I have this raise? God, if I if I read the Bible every day, can you make my relationship strong? And you know what is amazing? That God is faithful. Now, when I'll make this deal with God and God comes through, it's almost like now I, I put these things on the side and I say, okay, I got, I got what I needed from you, God, so I don't need to be in the Word as much. My relationship is good. I don't need to be in church as much. My relationship is good. And then God says, no, no, no. It wasn't about the deal. It was about me being faithful to you so that we could have this relationship. Because God is faithful and he is the most consistent of everything that we'll ever come across. And that's the only reason why Mary and Joseph could rely on God. It was because of God's faithfulness and his consistency. They stayed true to not just God, but their godly character. They were consistent concerning their calling and their obedience to God because they understood this, and you can write this in the third thing, they understood their calling. They had a calling. They had, they had an assignment given by God. And sometimes we want to know, what is our calling? Like, God, what is my calling? Who, who, who am I becoming? What, what do you want me to do? What is your will? What does that even mean, a calling, God? Does that mean what I do? No, that's called a career. Our career is what we do. It's different than our calling. Our career is what we do. Our calling is something specific to us. A calling suggests that a person listens for something which calls out to them. In this case, the voice of God. The calling is something that comes to someone and it's, it's, it's particular to someone. It is specific. Uh, when we were growing up and we were playing outside, it was you know, within the, the block of the house or, or within the neighborhood, and when it was coming late, usually we had to be in before the streetlights came on. But there were some times where we had to come in a little earlier or our parents let us stay out a little bit later. But when we needed to come home, they called us by voice. Now we call or text, but it's specific to an individual. You don't have someone else's parents texting you or calling you and saying, hey, you need to go home. No, it was our parents who called us. It was specific to us. My mom would have a specific calling, my, or how she called us, and it was specific to me. My cousins had their specific calling. My cousins, their, their dad or mom whistled once. We knew the whistle. They knew the whistle. And when they whistled, we didn't go running home. We're like, you got to go home. So they went home. But when my mom called me, she just had this, Sheldon! <laughs> and it was just one time, right? Because if your parents had to 
they actually didn't say it twice because the second time, I mean, that was just a nightmare. So you go home when you're called. It was specific to you. God's calling is specific to you. And sometimes we wonder, well, what, does that, what is that calling? I don't, I don't hear the voice of God. That's why it's important to be in his word. Something specific to me is being a parent to my children. Something specific to me is being a husband to Heidi. Something specific to me is who I'm becoming in the Lord. And something specific to you is the same thing. Who are you becoming in the Lord? Romans 8.28 tells us that we know that God causes all things to work together for what? Good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. See, and just in this scripture alone, God says we have a calling, that he's going to work everything out for good. But it only works out together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. In other words, it doesn't work out together for good for everybody. Because not everybody loves God. That's the prerequisite. I need to love God. And he's going to provide the great escape to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose, not according to our purpose, not according to what we want. It's only for those who walk in his calling and his purpose and those who love God. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 tells us that we must pay the most careful attention. In other words, the Bible is saying there are going to be many distractions, so pay close attention to this. Therefore, to what we have heard. In other words, God is going to call us. He's going to speak specific things to us. So we need to pay attention, give most careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received, it's just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. I want to close with this. Have you ever been in church or read the word of God and all of a sudden you just sense the voice of God speak to you? That something hit you so hard and you're thinking, how did, how did they know that? How did he know that? How did she know that? How, did, how could you have known that, God? And God speaks it. Why? Because he knows we're called. He calls us. It's his voice. He calls out to us. Listen, if you're in a relational situation and it's difficult, go back to God. Listen for his voice. And he may even say, no, you need to, you need to get right with me first. You need to get right with your relationship in whatever way, whether you need to ask for forgiveness, give forgiveness, whatever it is. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to work everything out together for good. I'm going to do my part. I need you to do your part. And God will speak that. Obey his voice. That's the great escape. The great escape isn't going from one thing to the next, one relationship to the next, one job to the next. It's not trying to obtain more, get more money, get more things. That's not the great escape. The great escape isn't shopping or going to some vacation or just getting away. The great escape is Jesus Christ. That's the whole reason why Mary and Joseph were escaping. They weren't escaping because their lives were in danger. Their lives were not in danger at all. It was the life of Christ that was in danger. And they escaped from one place to the next, to the next, to the next. They escaped Herod's death threat.
threats to save the life of their baby, Jesus Christ. But you know what I find astounding and simply mind-boggling is that they were saving Jesus from death, which eventually Jesus would grow up and willingly be put to death for everyone else, including people like Herod, who was out to kill him. Jesus is the great escape. That's why we celebrate in this season. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. Lord, there are many things that we escape from, many things we try to escape to. But in that process, Lord, sometimes our character is split. It's a little shaky. We want to have godly character. So, Lord, can you help us in this season? Because we'll be around people, around loved ones. We'll be in the lines at the store. We'll be driving. Help us with our character. Help us with being consistent in who we are in you so that we can follow your calling for us. Lord, we're so grateful that even though Christmas comes with a lot of mess, that we can always come back to you because it's really Christ, the Messiah, who is the great escape. That's our heart. That's our prayer today. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I don't, I don't know Jesus Christ. I want to, but I've never given him my heart. Well, if you're here today and you're saying, I, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that's, that's my great escape. I'm not going to do things on my own anymore. If you've never received Jesus into your heart, I want to say a prayer with you. And in this prayer is what we call salvation. And as I say this prayer and you repeat after me, you just include your heart. In fact, we can all say this prayer because we know that Jesus is the great escape. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave to give me a future and a hope. You are my great escape. Because even unto death, when that happens one day, I live on for all of eternity with you in heaven. It's in your name that I pray, Lord. And if you said that prayer for the very first time, if you, if you just said yes to Jesus, with every head bowed and eyes closed, could you just acknowledge that by lifting a hand real briefly? You're saying, I just said yes to Jesus today. That's my first time saying yes to him. Okay, God sees you back there. He sees you right here. Yeah, God sees you too. Okay, yeah. You're just, you're just acknowledging that I said yes to Jesus. You can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for these that said yes to you, that they would always remember to be consistent in their character because they all have a calling. And all of us, Lord, we have a calling that, you, that is given by you. We want to follow you in that calling. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. And we all said together, amen. Can we just welcome these who said yes to Jesus this morning? What a wonderful decision that you have made.
For those who said yes to Jesus, we have what we call our yes packet. It's at, our, it's at the back of the sanctuary. And it is, it is a Bible with some reading material. It's our free gift to you. And let someone know you received Jesus because that is the best decision you'll ever make. Next week, we're going to be having our Christmas service. So please invite people because people need hope. And we know that our hope is in Jesus Christ. We're going to be talking about Christ, of course, but Christ in the mess and how he goes through the mess with us.